You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I want to hit you with um, a little bit of a thought here as we continue on this journey of leverage. Um, maybe something we should be focused on is the fact that there is a level of comfort that both sides seem to have and maybe that comfort should kind of guide us toward a feeling that there's really no doubt that this is going to get done. Um, I don't think anybody really has that much of a doubt, which is why we probably are spending too much time arguing about leverage. I, I, I guess not, because leverage kind of has more to do with how much compensation you're going to get. But um, I was just thinking about, you know, on one hand, the Packers making comments about, you know, not really wanting Rodgers back. Gutekunst and Mark Murphy making comments about, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, if things don't go the way we want, then then sure, he can he could just come on back. But then the Jets with, you know, we need to get this done, we want to get this done. Maybe the reason they're willing to be so open about their feelings is because there's really not as much panic from the two teams as there is from everybody else about whether or not this deal is going to get done. And the fact that they're probably really close, it's just kind of working out some some nuanced things. Now, Gutekunst did say the ball's in their court, which doesn't really sound super close. But even that could be, you know, they're passing things back and forth, and it's it's really just squabbling over a couple pennies now. I remember, uh, I don't remember if it was his high school or college or what, but they were talking about how, like, for Walmart, when they negotiate prices, it would be over, like, fractions of pennies. Because obviously when you sell it, the volume that they do, it makes a big difference. But it still could end up being a pretty heated discussion about how much we're going to pay for this giant pile of stuff we're going to buy from you. But I bring that up because we've heard a couple different things recently um, about this thing getting done. Albert Breer um, has his mailbag here from Sports Illustrated. Question from Bruce. When will Aaron Rodgers get traded? Bruce, I think it'll happen sooner than people think because I don't think things between the Packers and Jets are in nearly as bad a place as some believe that they are. Now, again, I think is in there, followed by I don't think. So we're several layers deep in I don't actually know. But he goes on to say, we mentioned earlier in the week that Rappaport, uh, report, not Rappaport, rapport between GMs Joe Douglas and Brian Gutekunst from their time coming up as young road scouts, the two head coaches, Robert Sala and Matt LaFleur, are best friends. So any raw feelings between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, I think, are manageable because the relationships are in place. There's also been progress toward hammering out a deal in large part because despite the whole who's got leverage argument, there's reasons for both sides to be motivated to get it done. And that's that's kind of the other thing because, again, I, I get annoyed when people say, well, both sides have leverage. No kidding, dum-dum. That's not the point. Who has the leverage just means who has the most leverage, right? Picture two people pulling on a, on a seesaw. What if you slide that seesaw off center toward me? We both still have some leverage, but I have more leverage. You could even say that I have the leverage. However, 
It's also true that the level to which both teams absolutely need to get this done, let's just say it's basically 100% for both teams. Now, I tend to think it's a little bit less for the Packers, but that's irrelevant to the fact that the idea that these teams wouldn't get it done, considering how desperate they both are, is crazy. Then he goes on to say, what will the deal look like if I had to guess? I'd put it at either the 42nd or 43rd pick and a conditional pick down the line. Obviously significantly less than uh, many Packer fans would like. And to answer your question directly, I think it could happen as early as this week. And certainly will get done before the draft. So have patience, Jets fans, your quarterback is coming. Now again, it's, it's, it's interesting because... He didn't say anything in terms of having any actual knowledge. And this kind of reminds me of Schefter saying, I can't imagine them sending him to an NFC team. There's a level of certainty to it, while at the same time, that certainty not being rooted in anything insight-wise. It's not based on anybody I've talked to. It's just based on, in my opinion, common sense. And I kind of wonder if that's what we're dealing with with Albert Breer here. Does he see this as common sense? In other words, the Packers are not going to let this pick get past them. If that is the case, leverage would seem to be in the Jets' favor, because the Jets would just have to wait him out, depending on how desperate Brian Gutekunst is to, to jump at it and just say, forget it, fine, give me the picks. But again, if it is a second and a conditional, I know he's really wanting this year's picks, but if that could turn into next year's first, just take next year's first, dude. Well, they could be picking at 30. Yeah, well, 30 is better than 42, isn't it? And that conditional isn't going to be anything, because Rodgers isn't coming back next year. Also in this article, by the way, just so we're clear, because obviously everybody wants the GM, Brian Gutekunst, to go do big things. And this is probably going to be a reoccurring theme, whether it be in this podcast or every other podcast from now until eternity. But one thing I absolutely cannot stand is when we refuse to acknowledge the other side of the coin. Let me just interject here with another story that I was going to kind of do on its own, but it just, it fits here. Apparently, I don't know exactly what started it off, but I saw on Twitter recently a bunch of people RG3, everybody else, was in an uproar about uh, Lamar Jackson. And every single one of those comments was, this is an MVP. He's 25 years old. And nobody really wants to come get this guy? Are you serious? What's the problem with everything that they said? Come on now. We can do this. We've been at this for a while now. They listed all the positives, none of the negatives. No kidding. You think if he was free, teams wouldn't snap him up in a second? Give me a freaking break. What, because racism? Why doesn't Balt Baltimore drafted him? And by the way, the quarterback next in line is a black guy. Don't be stupid. Washington doesn't like him because he's black. They have Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. He's behind Sam Howell, but what, what sense does that make? Not to mention 90% of their team is black. I mean, this is so stupid. Do you want to know why? It's because of the negatives. And you know what the negatives are? There's basically one giant negative here. It's not even the injuries, necessarily. According to Stephen Holder of ESPN, Lamar Jackson's current contract demands are, quote, absolutely a non-starter, unquote, for teams no matter how much they like his talent. His demands for a contract are a non-starter. In other words, they heard it and they're like, oh, that's a freaking joke. They're so far, it, 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 is, it is a number that is so far away from reality that teams are not even willing to entertain it. They're not even willing to come to the table and sit down with him because he's so far away from what any team would be willing to pay him. This is all stems from the fact that he doesn't have an agent. If he had an agent, the agent would be coming forward with a much more reasonable number. Lamar 
doesn't realize what his reasonable number is. It's probably part of the reason he doesn't want an agent. So anyways, as we delve into this, I am positive there are Packer fans out there saying if if Brian Gutekunst actually cared about this team, if he actually cared about helping um, uh, Jordan Love, he would go out and get a guy like Odell Beckham, right? Question, what is Odell Beckham's current asking price for a new contract? Noah, word before his appearance at the uh, Arizona Biltmore on Tuesday was that Odell Beckham Jr. was looking for something in the neighborhood of $15 million per year. And there might be one or two of you out there saying, yeah, but look how little we're paying for wide receivers. I get that, but that has nothing to do with our total budget. We don't have any money. If we're underpaying at wide receiver, it just means that we're overpaying somewhere else. The bottom line is we don't have money. We have the fifth most amount of money. So what? Nobody has any money. And listen, we have a lot less flexibility than a lot of other teams that could take on that contract. We have no more contracts that we can push money out on. And we also are looking for some serious issues potentially next year. Even without Aaron Rodgers on, the, on our docket, we're broke next year. Yes, I know things are going to change, but it's just it's a tough, tight situation. Also, we're not in a win-now situation anyways. So why put your cap under further... Uh, strain. Because the only way you're going to get a $15 million per year thing is if you give him a multi-year contract, which nobody seems to want to do. Everybody wants to give him a one-year contract, which means you'd have to give him $15 million. Um, or give him a multi-year deal, in which case you drop his cap hit down to like, what, $5 million? And then what, next year you got to pay $20 million? Yeah, okay. Three-year, $45 million contract, pay five this year and then 20 the next two years? I'm not doing that. It doesn't make any sense. Again, if, if you can 100% be honest and reconcile it and say, I still think it's worth it, which I'm sure many people would, because there's just this obsession that if you just get these guys with big names that have done things in the past, that that just fixes everything and you win all the time. Yes, I know the Rams won. I'm very well aware of the Rams. It was the worst thing that ever happened to the NFL landscape is the Rams winning that stupid Super Bowl. The most unlikely, their salary cap was ruined. They did everything freaking wrong, but they managed to get in and they managed to win the stupid thing. And that means if everybody does things wrong, then everybody gets Super Bowls, right? Anyways, getting back to the, um, so that's the, that's the end of the Albert Breer article, or at least the parts that were interesting to me. But Albert Breer also kind of went on a little bit of a media circuit, and so uh, I want to pull up a couple different things here. Obviously, they're all just asking him, and, and this is... Another part of the reason why you should be skeptical of these things, not that Albert Breer necessarily needs this. You know, there are some people who are probably clout chasing that want to be on Albert Breer's level. But um, look, this, this is it's not a bad thing for somebody's career. If you have an article and you make some kind of a claim that all you really have to say is, I think that this will be done soon, possibly this week. And guess what? everybody's calling, everybody's knocking on the door, everybody wants you to be there. And that's what Albert Breer did. So here he is on Rich Eisen's show saying, what the heck is going on here? You want me to give you some good news, Rich? Sure. I don't think this thing's in nearly as bad a place as everybody's saying. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't. I mean, there's there problems between Rodgers and the Packers, yes. Um, that exists. But there are some incredibly tight relationships between the two teams, Right. So, like Joe Douglas and Brian Gutekunst, the two general managers, 
spent a lot of time together as road scouts. They've got a great rapport. Mm-hmm. The two head coaches, Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala, are like quite literally best friends, you know. And then you've got like the two owner, well, the owner and the de facto owner, I guess, mm-hmm. and Woody Johnson and Mark Murphy. And both those guys were involved in the Brett Favre trade in 2008. Um, so they have experience working together in this sort of thing. So I think this thing's in a better place than people think. Might it be, might it happen on draft day? Yeah. I don't think it's out of the question. It happens this week, you know? So like, I think like there is definitely a deal to be done. I think progress has been made. And, you know, I think this is about getting sign off from like every level of each organization. Um, but I think hmm. like this thing is, is in a good place now. And I think there's, you know, a good chance that Aaron Rodgers is a jet um, relatively soon. You know, certainly before the draft, I'd say probably before OTAs start, um, and maybe even at some point over the next few days. Well, to me, well. <laughs> oh, boy. I want so desperately for there to be substance here, but there just so clearly is not any. Could this guy have talked over himself anymore? First of all, his entire basis for the reason he believes that things are in a good place is because these guys are friends. That's irrelevant. At one point he says, this is done possibly prior to the draft, maybe as soon as this week, which, duh, <laughs> like, at the earliest, this week. Well, no freaking kidding. At the earliest, it's, it's done right now. I don't need to be an insider to tell you that. But then later he says, certainly before the draft, which I would take as good news aside from the part where he's speculating and also beside the fact where just earlier he said he believes it's before the draft. He doesn't know it's before the draft. And then goes on to say he also thinks it'll be before OTAs, which is in about two weeks or so for most teams, April 18th, 19th in that range. Let's see, what is it for the Jets? For the New York Jets, it is April 18th. First day, April 18th. So, there you go. But everything is, I think, probably, sort of, I think it was probably good that they were together at the in Arizona for the owner's meeting or whatever. It just, again, this is very similar to what was happening beforehand. Now, again, a lot of people were saying, I think they're, you know, he's going to get traded or whatever, and that did end up happening. But the point is, this is people giving their best estimates. Which is fine. If you trust Albert Breer and his instincts, which you probably should, he's a smart guy, he talks to people and, you know, gets conversations with uh, guys that are kind of in the know and trust his judgment, that's fine. But just understand what it is. He's not reporting anything. I mean, how could he report anything? The teams don't even know when it's going to get. You think they have a deadline set? You think they're like, yeah, we have a deal. We're just waiting for like a week and a half, and then we're going to do it. They're not done, so how could they possibly know when it's going to get done? They don't know, which means Albert Breer doesn't know. But the problem is, what you're going to see, just in short form, without searching all these videos and everything else, is deal will get done soon, you know, likely this week or so. You know what I mean? Like that telephone game thing where it just becomes more and more and more until you get to the point where you're talking to people about, I don't know when this is going to get done, and somebody's going to say something like, well, it's already been reported, it's getting done this week. You know what I mean? Like this is this is how these things happen, and then you trace it back to its source, and it's Albert Breer going, I don't know, it could be as early as this week. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. <clears throat> I've got a bunch of videos here that have been kind of backlogged for a little bit of a while. Excuse me, ma'am. Um... 
Kind of in that similar vein, what I was talking about as far as the whole leverage thing. And it, listen, it's all interesting. It's all fun to debate. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the deal is going to get done, right? I kind of think that's the same thing with the Packers and Rodgers. Um, Marcellus Wiley has a YouTube channel, former football player. Didn't really know anything about his channel or anything like that, but I, I saw it popped up. Obviously, I've been looking at a lot of Rodgers stuff. So like, oh, here's something about Rodgers. And the it was a very clickbaity title. So I had to click on it because I was like, oh, this is going to be something that's going to tick me off. But it was the Green Bay Packers backstabbed Aaron Rodgers. And I've never in my life saw a title like that and thought to myself, this is really going to tick me off. And then by the time it was done, have been smiling ear to ear the whole time and subscribed to his channel and said, I don't know what the heck he was talking about. I don't know what point he was trying to make, but I like that guy. So I don't know anything really about his channel. Apparently, he likes to talk about a wide range of topics, um, according to what he said in this video. I don't know. But I subscribed anyways because he seems like a good dude. But anyways, the, the one takeaway I got from it actually parallels exactly what I just said about this whole leverage thing. We talk about the drama between the Packers and Rodgers. And, and, you know, the Packers should have been more forthright with Aaron Rodgers if they wanted to move on. I've been saying that since last year. Don't tell him. The door's open if you want to close the door. And Roger said that, and I said, he's right about that. But then we find out Mr. I just want open communication doesn't answer his phone. And again, it's fun to kind of get into it and argue and fight or whatever. I got a podcast. I got to talk about stuff. I like having an opinion. I'm a very opinionated person, as you know. It's fun. I pick a side, I argue my side, and I stick to it. But as he sort of pointed out in his uh, episode, who cares? The bottom line to all of this is that Aaron Rodgers did not want to be a Green Bay Packer anymore. And the Green Bay Packers did not want Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback anymore. You know, he was kind of doing that funny thing where or he made a funny reference to, he's like, you know, sometimes I do this to my friends or somebody will call and they'll be like, hey, man, you didn't call me back. I'm like, oh, you called? Oh, man, I, I, sorry, I don't, I don't listen to my messages. And he's like, you don't have to listen to your messages. You can look at your phone and see who called you. But the bottom line is, if somebody wants to call you that you really want to talk to, you're going to answer the phone. And you always find yourself being a little bit busy when somebody calls you that you don't want to talk to. Listen, let's, let's just be completely honest. As childish and petty and stupid and hypocritical as it was for Aaron Rodgers to complain about communication while not answering his phone, there's no reason for him to answer his phone. There's nothing left to talk about. Again, I'm not making excuses for him, especially considering what he said on Pat McAfee. But what does it matter? They were not going to reconcile anything. Rodgers did not want to go back, and he knew the Packers didn't want him back. They're supposed to have more meetings. Brian Gutekunst is trying to call and schedule meetings. He's, he's not answering. And by the way, that's kind of how I handle stuff, too. I just, I just let it die, you know? Like, I'll, I'll call and be interested in something. Be like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to sign up for this thing. And then they call me. And rather than just answering the phone and saying, I've changed my mind, never mind, or I'm not interested in that anymore, I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to let them call like seven, eight times until they just go away. Because I just, I don't know. It's, is, is that the wrong thing? Yeah, it is. But I'm just not dealing with it. I don't want to have to get into the back and forth with the freaking salesman about, oh, why'd you change your mind? Oh, you don't want to do this. <laughs> I made up my mind, dude. Moving on. You can waste your time calling me if you want. And then they start leaving you messages like, look, if you don't want to do this, just, just tell me. But I need to know. And I'm like, I probably should just tell them. But I'm not going to. They'll figure it out. Because they are going to try to sell me. And I'm not interested anymore. So is it the childish, immature thing to do? I mean, could he have just picked up the phone and said, look, Goot, man. I get it. You got to call me. We're supposed to have some meetings. Let, let's just... And, and by the way, both sides should have done this at some point. Like, look, can we just stop playing the stupid game? Let's just stop playing this game. 
right? I, I, there was an article I saw. I didn't completely read the article. I certainly didn't listen to the, uh, the interview that John Kuhn did. We should probably try to get into that. But the, the crux of it was, would the Packers have even done the deal if they'd have known that Devontae Adams was going to shoot them down? And a further question is, would Rodgers have come back if he didn't know? Now, I think that's been addressed to some degree, but we don't know officially because Rodgers got his deal before Devontae left. And I think it's a worthwhile question. And it, and it, honestly, it, it makes a lot of sense to me because I was stunned to see how much money they were offering Devontae. It got up so high that I was, you know, based on the rumors, um, like above $30 million, I was thinking, what are you doing? But if you think about it, if, if the entire thing is, is based on this contract is a disaster, but if it's going to work, it's going to be because we're going to have Rodgers and Devontae together for X amount of years, and we're going to take a real swing at the Super Bowl thing. And then the guy that like holds the keys, in other words, if Devontae leaves, Super Bowl window is gone. And Gooch's sitting there like, dude, I am screwed. <laughs> Which is probably part of the reason he's digging his heels in on the, uh, the Aaron Rodgers compensation, because... You know, if you think about it, it's like, yeah, well, the reason, you know, we should get a lot because he's a multiple-time MVP, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, look at the contract. Well, who gave him the contract? The reason we're not getting multiple first-round picks and it's a no-brainer is because he gave us, he gave him this ridiculous contract. Again, hindsight and all that, I get it. But he's got to save face a little bit with that contract. And if he can still pull off some good compensation, then I guess the contract wasn't that big of a deal. But um, yeah, but I, 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 I again... The point is, going all the way back to when Devontae left, it seemed like that might have been the time when everything just kind of unraveled. And they tried to make it work. They tried to go into the season. He loaded them up with wide receivers, and, and you know, we got three different wide receivers there and kept Lazard. You know, we repaid everybody. You know, Lazard's going to stay, and Randall's going to stay, and Tunyon's going to stay. We're paying everybody to stay. We'll draft three wide receivers. We're doing everything we can to try to make sure that that's not that big of a hit. And at the end of the day, it just it was never going to work without Devontae both because of how good Devontae is and, and also because of how Aaron Rodgers plays. It's very dependent on guys like Devontae being there. And I think once it started to unravel, everybody kind of knew. So again, yeah, it's fun to nitpick, and I, I, I don't want to get too heavy into it because I'm sure I'm going to keep doing this because anytime there's an opinion, I'm going to tell you my opinion. But just understand that underneath all of it, all of this debating and arguing, it, it's just kind of a fun little side hobby. The reality is, Aaron Rodgers, and, and that's the one that people are going to do. Oh, no, no, he would. He would, said he wanted to retire a Packer. Right, and he also said that he wanted to win a Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset a Super Bowl champion and retire after that season, and that didn't happen either. Ideally, yes. And by the way, he can still retire a Packer, but retiring and continuing playing are two different things. Aaron Rodgers does not want to play for this Green Bay Packers team. It is a rebuilding team. By the way, it's a team that wants to move on, and he doesn't want to be a part of a team that doesn't want him there, understandably. It's a young team. They got to you know, start from ground zero, getting these wide receivers caught up and everything else, and a lot of his buddies are going bye-bye. Randall's going bye-bye, and you know, David Bakhtiari's there for a little while, but he's not going to be there too much longer, a year or two more. Aaron Jones, maybe a couple more years. I mean, there's just a couple more friends left. I mean, Mercedes may not be back. Sounds like the Packers are still trying a little bit to get him back, based on Gutekunst's comments. We'll see. There's no interest here. And, and, and again, the entire point is, I don't want to come back if I don't think the, a Super Bowl is a very real possibility. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's not a possibility, because of course it is. But, I mean, if, if you couldn't have done it in 2019 or 2020 or 2021, having seen 2022, what, what, what are we really basing it on other than, hey, anything can happen? He doesn't want to come back. 
And again, all this hemming and hawing by both sides pretending that they just want to be wanted. Aaron Rodgers, he wanted to come back, but oh, they just didn't want me. Stop lying, dude. You don't want to come back here. You don't like it here. You don't like the coaches. You don't like the players. You don't like the GM. You don't like the owner or the the president and CEO. You don't like anybody. And the Packers, you know, Gutekunst, again, albeit honest and just defending the honor of the Green Bay Packers on how things actually happened, which is important. But taking the the side of, you know, well, we were very open and willing to have him back and we tried to call him and he just didn't answer. So I didn't have any choice but to move on. And again, I think all of that is 100% true. But I think when he called Aaron Rodgers, he was saying to himself, please don't answer, please don't answer, please don't answer, please don't answer. You ever do that? As somebody that hates talking on the phone, that's pretty much every time I call anybody ever. Please don't answer, please don't answer, please don't answer. And you hear the voicemail like, oh, yes, hang up. Sometimes you let it ring long enough and you're like, I'm gonna, you ever try to hang up before the voicemail? Just, just so that it seemed like I let it ride out to the voice, like they wouldn't know the difference. It wasn't like two rings and then hang up. It was like four or five. Just because maybe they're about to pick up and you're like, oh, got him. All right, good. Then they call back like, oh, why'd you hang up? Like, I didn't do it. I just it went to your voicemail. What are you talking about? Except I wouldn't say that because I wouldn't answer when they call back. Just be like, I don't know, dude. I threw my phone in the lake after you didn't answer. I was so distraught. Rogers doesn't want to be a Packer. The Packers don't want Rodgers to be the quarterback. And it makes perfect sense. It doesn't make any sense for Rodgers to come back. And it doesn't make any sense for the Packers to bring back Rodgers. I don't think it makes any sense for the Jets to pick up Rodgers either, but that's their own freaking problem. It's, it's good for Rodgers. It's good for the Packers. So we'll just be leeches that take advantage of the Jets for being idiots. Aaron Rodgers gets to go um, exact his revenge, play with a chip on his shoulder, maybe even have a little bit of success out there. Try to pretend he's Tom Brady who's going to go to a new team and win a Super Bowl and show the world that he was the one doing it all along, not everybody else, just like Tom Brady did. Bill Belichick's an idiot. I'm the genius. And the Packers get compensation for a guy that really, in my opinion, is not worth anything. When you look at his contract, it's just, it, it zeroes out. The amount of, of talent that we're getting minus the contract is zero. It's probably even negative. So I just, I would not, I would not do it. Honestly, if I was the Jets and they said, would, would, you don't have to give me anything. Would you take Aaron Rodgers for a year and you have to pay him his full contract? I don't know that. I, I, I think I would rather take Carr. There's just a lot better options than Rodgers and his contract. Like anybody, I'd take Garoppolo. I don't care. Which is why it's so hard for me to do this whole, how much is Aaron Rodgers worth thing? Because to me, he's not worth anything. And pretty much any compensation that we get, as far as I'm concerned, Gutekunst won the trade. Now, again, I'm, I'm, I don't, the, the better way to do this would be to actually find out what the value is. I'm sure there's a better way to actually calculate the value. And then we can go from there to find out what the actual value. Maybe I should ask the robot about that. I think I will. Tell you what, why don't we take a break here? I'll consult the robots and see what they think. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. And then we'll get some, uh, Get to some more of these videos that I got just uh, tabs I need to close is all they are. I mean, it's good content, but they've been driving me nuts. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so the results are in. And I can say confidently that some of them are complete idiots, and that's fine. One of them will be disregarded. (laughs) They might all be idiots, I don't know. Uh, the first robot is just Bing, and Bing is basically just like a, it's like Ask Jeeves, like what we thought it would be. It just searches stuff for you and then reads it back to you, and it's like, no, I want your opinion on it. And they're like, well, my opinion, b- based on what this website says here, is you <laughs> But Bing's search results just says, uh, according to a report by the Draft Network, a pair of day two selections should qualify as fair compensation. However, the Packers are allegedly asking for more and have requested a first-round pick in exchange for Rogers' services. Another report by Heavy.com suggests that respected NFL insider Albert Breer has been calling around the league on fair trade compensation for Aaron Rodgers between the Jets and Packers. He believes two first-round picks would be too much, but suggests to the Packers that a package of first-round pick and second-round pick would be fair. Which, of course, these are all bigger numbers than I think anybody is expecting at this point. However, um, the most detailed answer I got, we'll just go directly to that, I had to basically teach it everything. I inputted every bit of data that I could. I gave the entire contract for Aaron Rodgers. I described the situation, said Rodgers was MVP 2020, 2021, situation in 2022, the broken thumb, losing Devontae, both uh, both teams' quarterback situations, uh, both teams' salary cap situations, what happens to the salary cap. I inputted all that information, Aaron Rodgers' age, uh, likelihood of playing for one year, and all the draft picks for each team. Here is the trade compensation that uh, the most advanced robot to date thinks would be fair. The Packers trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets before June 1st, taking the additional $9 million cap hit this year. This allows them to receive draft compensation for the current year. That's point one. Number two, the Jets send their 2023 first-round pick, 13th overall, their 2023 second-round pick, 43rd overall, and their 2024 second-round pick to the Packers in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. Number three, to accommodate Rodgers' salary, the Jets restructure his contract by converting a portion of his base salary into signing bonus and spreading the cap hit over the next three years. And then it says, in this scenario, the Packers receive valuable draft capital for the current year and the following year, which can be used to address team needs and continue building around Jordan Love. The Jets uh, acquire an experienced and highly skilled quarterback in Rodgers who could potentially elevate their team and mentor young players. Although Rodgers may only play for one year, his presence and leadership could have a lasting impact on the Jets' organization. Again, I'm expecting absolutely none of this, but it makes me happy that there seems to be a consensus across them. Even, even if you go over to Google's robot, it says, based on the search results I have found, the Packers are likely to demand a first-round pick and second-round pick in exchange for Rodgers. They, uh, they may also ask for a player or two, but the Jets are unlikely to give up any top players. <laughs> so they want a first and a second and players, but I wouldn't count on the players. Oh, just a first and a second. Okay, great. So Bing, Bard, and GPT 
are all like, yeah, you should probably get like first and a second or something. Bing was a little bit closer to like two seconds, but again, I, I just, I feel like that's all too high, but I love it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. I guess something else to take into consideration is, you know, you talk about how the contract that he's gotten makes him harder to trade. But at the same time, his contract was never going to be low. He's Aaron Rodgers. Even if you look at the Russell Wilson deal where they got a massive haul for him. Everybody points to the age, and I'm, I'm more interested in the contract. But I guess, yeah, the, the age is a factor. He's a few years younger. He's still 34. But he's got a $22 million cap hit this year, right? That's very minor. Last year was 17, real low. However, next year it goes up to 35, then 55, then 58, 53, 54. And you say, well, they're not going to pay that out. Okay, well, two things on that. Number one, it means this contract is not actually very long-term, right? Isn't that what that means? Number two, they're really not able to get out in 2025. So they're going to be in kind of a weird situation. I don't know exactly how this is going to pan out, but you look at when 2025 rolls around, $55.4 million cap hit, right? They're not going to be able to pay that. So they're going to have to push some of the money or, you know, well, they could cut them. No, they can't because it's a $50 million dead cap hit. So what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to restructure it. What's the problem with that? Well, they could potentially get out in 2026 because there's a $30 million dead cap hit, although they're unlikely to. But guess what? What, ha- what happens if they restructure in 2025? That $31 million dead cap hit is going to go up. Like if, if they want this to go down, let's say $15 million to get it down to $40 million, which is still a massive amount of money. They're adding $5 million to each year, so this is going to go up to a $36 million dead cap hit. So they're unlikely to get out of it. And on top of that, the, the overall cap hit's going to go up as well. It's going to go up over 60, so they're going to have to restructure that one too. You know how much you have to restructure a $60 million cap hit? If you want to get it down to 40, you got to restructure it 20 million. So that's 10 million over the next two years. Add on the five from the year before, now it's gone up $15 million. Well, in 2027, he's at 53. So now we got to tack on 15. Now it's at 68. His dead cap hit would have been, if we didn't restructure anything, 12.8, but we got to add 15. 15 plus 13 is 28. So you might as well get out of it now. But you're, again, you're back in that situation where you're spending 30 million to get rid of the guy. So the problem with restructuring everything is you're just all this is is guaranteeing more of this contract and paying more and more and more money. And I'm sure they would take some some void years or whatever so that they could instead of 30 it would be like 15 and 15. But again, it doesn't actually do anything. You're paying all of that money. You're just spreading it out. But I guess you got to factor like if if Aaron Rodgers was, was worth let's say three first round picks with a normal contract, that is to say he costs 30 million but now he costs 60 million, cut that value in half and what is it? One and a half first round picks. Sounds like a first and a second to me. Could say first and fourth if you want to say halfway down, but if you look at the trade value chart, we're probably still talking about two first round picks, depending on what first, I guess. But anyways, there you go. The robots are very, uh, very optimistic about the value. If I was Gutekunst, I'd be like, dude, look, freaking robot says so, okay? You gonna argue with a robot, dude? Can't argue with robots. All right, so I want to start with this because I've seen this several Matt times. Floor, right? Shut up. I'm not ready yet. Um, I saw that Jim Rome basically did the same thing, and it, this one is much more concise. Um, Kyle Brandt, I know I keep calling him Andrew Brandt, whatever you get it. Um, he, he, he says the same thing that a lot of people are saying that's much more um, in, in a concise way, and, and I get what he's saying, but I just have a completely different perspective on all this. And again, it just comes back to 
this idea that there was another alternate universe where Rodgers would just be our quarterback riding off into the sunset for another 10 years, and I don't think that was ever going to be a thing. The idea that there's a different scenario in which today Aaron Rodgers is playing as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and we're competing for a Super Bowl, had it not been for Jordan Love to begin with, is a fantasy. The question is, assuming Aaron Rodgers is gone this year, are we better off or worse off with Jordan Love? That's where I come from. But here is another very prominent perspective. Matt LaFleur on Jordan Love. We all have to kind of temper our expectations for him. No, I don't think I will. I'm going to pass on that, coach. I'm not going to temper anything. My expectations are pretty high for Jordan Love, coach. Aren't yours? Let me just say, put it like that. Why would I temper anything? What is the opposite of temper? I'm going to raise it. Don't tell me to temper expectations because the dominoes started falling when the second you guys decided you had to have him in your team and your quarterback was pissed and he won a couple of MVPs. And That part's funny. The, the dominoes fell because Rodgers got better and actually saved his job. <laughs> How does that make any sense? The Packers want to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. And the only reason they didn't is because he won MVPs, which happened because of Jordan Love. Which is the reason Rodgers is leaving. Because he kept his job because he won MVPs because of Jordan Love. Okay, continue. Believe me, that is a huge reason. That is the reason that led to the chain of events that Aaron Rodgers is leaving to go for the Jets. Okay. Um... Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets because of Jordan Love. No. That's absolutely not true. Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets partially because, number one, Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Rodgers, again, for the billionth time, he wanted to retire. He does not want to come back. I just got done saying this. And you can disagree. That's fine. Aaron Rodgers has said he does not want to come back to a rebuilding team. The Packers have said, you can come back, but we're not keeping Randall and we're not doing all these things. Like, we're, we're done with that. We need to go in a rebuilding sort of direction. We have to start doing those kinds of things. And then looking at how bad things were last year, which would not have been any different with Jordan Love. Oh, we would have had T. Higgins. No, we wouldn't. We weren't going to draft T. Higgins. Um, if, if, if 2022 was equally a disaster, which it would have been, despite the tight ends or, or the wide receivers or anybody else that you think we could have added because there were problems all over, the defense fell apart, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't want to come back to this. So the idea that he's going to the Jets because of Jordan Love is fake. The Packers, and that's the other thing, well, the Packers are moving on because of Jordan Love. They're more comfortable moving on because of Jordan Love, but they have to move on because of the contract. The only other way would be if Aaron Rodgers would come back for two more years and he doesn't want to. It's the only way we could feasibly afford him. We cannot do one more year. And by the way, that's still an option. But Rodgers doesn't want to do it. And the Packers don't want to do it. I mean, I, I don't even understand exactly how the timeline works in your mind. First of all, it wasn't like we're, we drafted him with the sole purpose of pushing him out because this guy's going to be better than Rodgers and we're going to show everybody. Rodgers is on the way out. And he's been with the Green Bay Packers much longer than anybody in that building thought, strictly because of Jordan Love. But his play had been declining. And again, we still saw it. Like I said, four out of the last five years, his grades in the final game of the season have been garbage. 50s and 60s. In 2018, 2019, I'm sorry, 2019, uh, 20, no, it was, yeah, 
18, 19, 21, 22. 50s and 60s. 2019 was shaky. I think 2021 was a little bit shaky, even though he won MVP. Again, I don't think he deserved MVP. And then 2022 was just bad. But again, he was able to extend his life and he was able to get this contract because back-to-back MVP, etc., etc. But there's this idea that Rodgers is on fire, really wants to come back, but the Packers kicked him out because of Jordan Love. And let me tell you, if that was the case, then yeah, you would have high expectations for Jordan Love. But that's just not how this all played out. Jordan Love was the right pick. He was the best player available at the position of need. So you do it. And I'm sorry that it hurt his feelings. Again, I just, every single year we draft guys. And we don't hear about how it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. When we drafted A.J. Dillon, was that just the worst thing in the world that started this horrible chain of reaction from Aaron Jones where he just starts thrashing in the locker room and screaming and wailing about they don't want me anymore and this is and if 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 AJ Dillon isn't Aaron Jones then then Gutekunst is just the biggest piece of garbage on planet no we don't do that because teams just pick good players and AJ Dillon was the player that they liked that was the best player available and so they drafted him and it doesn't have to be any more deep than that but no all this is is I think the sort of anti-Brian Gutekunst crowd trying to set the bar as high as possible so that if Jordan Love is anything other than Aaron Rodgers at his best, then I get to still call Gutekunst an idiot. I can still say this was a terrible thing, right? Justin Fields can play two years like garbage, and it's, it's irresponsible to not understand context, the situation around him, how young he is, the fact that he's growing, and the fact that he's learning. In fact, it's borderline irresponsible to not just assume that he's going to get better. But Jordan Love? Oh yeah, he better be the best of the best ever. The Jim Rome show, he was talking about uh, Jordan Love needs to prove all these things. And one of the things he said is he needs to prove that he was worth a first-round pick. How many other guys need to prove they're worth a first-round pick? Did Lamar Jackson have to prove he was worth a first-round pick? No, it was, a, it was a catastrophe. It was a shame. It was a crime that he was allowed to fall all the way to the back of the first round. I've never heard anybody say that before. For any other quarterback, did Mac Jones have to prove he was worth a first-round pick? Or Tua? Or Burrow? Did anybody have to prove their worth as a first-round pick? I want you to prove that you're actually worth a first-round pick. Again, the assumption is constantly, and, and this is the fun, funny dichotomy. It's this feeling of Jordan Love is garbage, but also he has to prove that he's elite. Otherwise, I'm still right. Sounds like just a lot of fear to me. Why not just say he wasn't worth a first-round pick, he was terrible, and so what you're going to see on the field is what you see generally from fourth, fifth, sixth-round wide receivers, or quarterbacks, excuse me, because that's all he's worth. He's no good. No, it's, he's terrible, but, but, hold on now, I get to hold that opinion unless he is 2020 Rodgers. Don't be a coward. I want you to hold him to the same standard that everybody else gets held to. I want you to hold him to the same standard as Tua, as everybody else. And if you want to say that he got a little boost because he got to sit for three years, fine. But you cannot pretend that sitting for three years is the same as playing for three years. Well, this is his fourth year. No, it isn't. Not playing, it isn't. But again, everybody wants to scream that that's the case because we just don't want to actually give him a fair shot. No, 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 no. This is, this is, no, he's been playing for four years now. This is, this is year four. You know it's not. But we just don't want to give him a fair shot. And again, I just, I just don't understand it. But, but again, even from the other perspective that we were talking about, I, I, I just don't see that as the right timeline. What, what, 
explain the if we don't draft Jordan Love, what would happen? What would have happened? Rodgers admittedly doesn't go on to win MVP. So Gutekunst already not a big fan of Rodgers. Pissing, moaning, whining, crying, causing problems in the locker room, talking trash about Gutekunst, talking trash about Mike McCarthy. Right, not a big fan of all that. Doesn't really mesh well with a lot of players. He has like some guys that he likes that he's close with, but everybody else can stick it. Hasn't been playing well, right? 2015 was rough. 2016 was solid. 2017, injured, which is also not a good thing. 2018, played like garbage. 2019, rocky. Then we don't draft Jordan Love. Then it's what? Rocky, rocky, bad? And what, he stays and dominates the NFL or what? I, what, what is this story? Because the only thing I'm hearing is Aaron Rodgers is actually worse because he doesn't win two MVPs because we don't draft Jordan Love. Okay, great. Awesome. And we don't have Jordan Love to replace Aaron Rodgers, and, and we're going to move on. And we're not in a position to draft a quarterback. Wow, this is a great story. Tell me more, please. Tell me more about this story and how great it is with Aaron Rodgers. And how we, what, go on to win Super Bowls and everything's wonderful with this non-MVP Aaron Rodgers that's been declining. It's completely unfair to say, because you sat behind Aaron Rodgers, I have higher expectations for you. Bullcrap. He has the same expectations as every other guy coming in for the first time taking over as, as, as a franchise quarterback. Some guys have higher pressure than others. He's going to have a lot of pressure because he's playing behind uh, Aaron Rodgers. But Zach Wilson has a lot of pressure because he plays for in New York. And they're just a rowdy bunch of jagoffs. But at the end, I mean, they all have a lot of pressure. But to say that we have to hold him to a higher standard is just people being dishonest. It's people that don't like Jordan Love and want to argue that this was a bad pick. And they're worried that if he actually looks decent, that they're going to seem wrong. If he performs better than, let's say, Tua did in his first year, or Herbert did in his first year, or any of these guys kind of in their first years then it seems like we're wrong. So I'm going to move the goalpost and say, no, 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 no. He needs to be a top five quarterback year one, or it doesn't matter. That's being completely, entirely dishonest. And again, unfair to Jordan Love. That is a wildly unfair standard. It's stupid. And especially considering how much everybody already thinks he's a bust and was a, a shouldn't have been a first-round pick to begin with, to then say he's held to a higher standard than Trevor Lawrence, who had a garbage first year. And didn't do anything until his second year when he started to look much better. Still not a top five quarterback. Didn't live up to his billing at all. Which, by the way, why isn't he held to a higher standard? He was a generational quarterback. We've never seen anything like him since Andrew Luck. And he comes in and plays like garbage and nobody said anything. Nobody said a word because it's like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And yeah, he got better. And he's probably going to get better next year. But why are we allowed to be rational with him? But a guy that was picked in the late first round that nobody believes in anyways better be top five or... It's, it was a stupid pick. Because you can't say top 10, Aaron Rodgers was 10th, and it wasn't even that good. If he plays like Rodgers played last year, nobody's going to be impressed by that. So 10th isn't going to cut it. He's got to be like top five. So you got Mahomes, you got Burrow, you got um, Allen, then you got you know room for one more guy in there with Jordan Love. I mean, that's, that's where he's got to be. He's got to be up there with, you know, whether it's Herbert or Lawrence or whoever that other top guy's going to be. Love better be one of those guys. That's ridiculous. But you know what? 
You do whatever you want to do. If you want to be ridiculous because you just want to hate Gutekunst and hate LaFleur and be mad because you live in this fantasy world where Aaron Rodgers would still be playing today and Devontae would probably be here and T. Higgins would be here and we'd have three Super Bowls and, oh, it's just this glorious utopia where GMs never make bad picks and only do right things and we only win games and we never lose and it's just Super Bowls forever, just like all the good teams do. Every All the good teams win Super Bowls every year and we would be just like them. We'd also be winning Super Bowls every year just like all the good teams and it's just this glorious utopia Rodgers would have signed a very reasonable contract not a crazy one like the one he actually signed and it would be for 10 years and he'd play for 10 years and it's just this beautiful wonderful glorious thing that doesn't exist the guy wants to go he wants to retire he's old he's tired he doesn't like football anymore and he plays like it He busted his you-know-what for two years to prove that the Packers are wrong for drafting Jordan Love. He won two MVPs, and then he cashed it in. He went out and smoked dope and drank drugs or however that works, and then came back to training camp looking looking all flabby and lazy, and he just didn't play very well, and he didn't work on working with his teammates, and go figure, there was not good rapport between the rookies and Rodgers who hadn't had any work together. Well, that was because Watson got hurt. Yeah, that's why it would have been beneficial if he was doing some work prior to this, right? If you're doing work in March, April, May, June, July, then him getting hurt in August wouldn't have been that big of a setback because we're already pretty well caught up. And that's the thing, like, what, what is, uh, you can say things like, well, that's what set this in motion. Set what in motion? The 40-year-old not being here anymore? I, I, I guess I just missed it. I, I missed the thing where he was going to play until he was 45 or whatever. I mean, I heard him say he wanted to retire, a Packer, and then I saw him say he wanted to retire and then got pissed off again, and now he wants to go play for the Jets. But again, remove all this stuff, and what, he retires this year? So it would just be better if he retired and we didn't have Jordan Love. Is that right? I think that's true for a lot of people. They would rather just have no quarterback right now and be completely screwed and just go, oh, well, I guess we'll figure it out. We'll tank this year and be kind of bad and hopefully bad enough that we can get Caleb Williams or whatever his name is, and then we'll just dominate. Again, it's just all this fantasy stuff. Like Everything would just be perfect if, if Jordan Love was never here. Everything would be perfect if, if we had drafted T.J. Watt instead of Kevin King and if we had drafted T. Higgins instead of Jordan Love, we would have nothing but Super Bowls for all eternity. That's just the reality of it. And of course, you can't prove me wrong, so I can just sit here in fantasy land and believe I'm right. Again, to a point, I almost understand what he's saying, but it's just, explain it to me. Explain what happens if we don't draft Jordan Love. You take away the two MVPs and then what? What's what's the good part of the story that I'm missing? We don't have a promising quarterback because there were none worth drafting, not not in our draft range. So we have no quarterback. We don't get the two MVPs, so maybe we don't even go to the playoffs. I don't really know how that pans out. So 2020 and 2021 suck more. Okay, so no backup quarterback. No 2020-2021 seasons as far as how good they were. Okay, what else can we add to this story? Ooh, I know. We traded up and got Mac Jones because Rodgers is playing like garbage and we need something and we didn't draft anybody that was worth drafting before, so we got to get somebody and we end up getting Mac Jones and then Rodgers leaves. But at least then we did it the right way, right? Or what, 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 What's the story? Fill it out for me. 608-501-0718. Call me and tell me the scenario that happens if we didn't draft Jordan Love in which this story ends on a better note. I don't know what it is. I mean, you're right. This, this is what set everything in motion. Well, yeah, I mean, every single... It's the butterfly effect. Everything you do changes the course of how things pan out. But what's the alternative? 
You say it in such an angry way. Well, I'm going to hold him to a higher standard because this is to blame for the situation. I, I, I swear nobody understands. Nobody understands what's going to happen if he plays one more year and retires. Or the fact that, again, he was going to retire. He might have even done it sooner. If, if, if 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022 are all kind of not great years, you think he even makes it to 2022 before he says, forget this? I mean, he wouldn't have had the leverage, so he wouldn't have had the, the contract that the Packers couldn't have moved off on. So there's a good chance that he would have been traded even sooner because he doesn't have that leverage of, I want this contract or I'm walking. So the Packers have all the power, and what are they going to do? They're, they probably trade him sooner. That or, again, after you know the season of uh, 2021, Devontae says, I want to go to the Raiders, and Rodgers says, fine, I'm retiring. It's kind of the funny part of that story is Rodgers wanted to get one over on the Packers, and he did. He wanted the, pa- the, the contract where he gets all the control, and he got it. But the, the part where he kind of, that's kind of messed up is he really didn't want to play football anymore. He just wanted to prove that one point. And once he did, it's like, all right, I'm kind of done now. It's like, well, what do you mean you're done? We just gave you this contract. No, I get it. I do. And I'm sure I made you with some assurances and whatnot, but uh, yeah. And that's the other thing. I, that contract probably came along with, okay, but you have to play X amount of years, right? You got to at least play this long. And he did it. He played. Played the minimum amount of time. But did he do it with enthusiasm? Not so much. Doesn't have to. So he did all that work just so we can get that contract and work over the Packers. He did it and then said, all right, I don't really want to do this anymore, actually. I just wanted to win. You ever have that happen? It's kind of a terrible thing, but when you're, when you're younger, I don't know if this is like a guy thing, girl thing, or maybe both, but you're like pursuing someone and you're really excited about the pursuit aspect of it. You know, they're not interested, playing hard to get, and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're putting in the hours, man. And then they slowly start to come around a little bit. And then there's that one moment where all of a sudden you got it and they're hooked. And as soon as they are just gushing over you, the interest goes to zero. Anybody ever experienced that? Because what you didn't realize is the pursuit was the big part of it. Maybe 97.5% of it. And now when I'm being chased and my phone's blowing up all the time, what are you doing? It's like, ugh, I don't know, man. And you didn't do it purposely. You thought you wanted something. Maybe I could have just stuck with an analogy like a dog chasing a toy and then it gets it and it's like, oh, I just kind of wanted to chase it. I don't know what to do with it now. Let's stick with that one. Because that other thing never happened to me. That was never a thing. I've heard other people have said that before. But that's what it feels like with Rodgers. Like he, he wanted so dead, like I'm going to show the world. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to, and he gets the MVP and he gets the contract. And then it's like, all right, you got everything. And he's like, oh, all right, well, I kind of want to retire now. I got nothing else. Like, there's the Super Bowl, but once he saw that was out of, out of range, it was like, nah, this is stupid. These guys don't know what to do. They're asking me all these stupid questions, man. Like, I don't know. Matt LaFleur keeps coming to me like, oh, I have all these ideas. Let's have meetings. He's like, I'm not doing your stupid meetings, bro. <sighs> your ideas suck. I don't want to do any of your ideas. I don't care. Let's just stick with what I said yesterday, okay? I already told you this. I'm not going to your meeting. You can sit there and look like an idiot. I don't care. Christian Watson's calling me again like, dude, I don't know freaking watching netflix with my 25 year old girlfriend i don't have time to be messing with young people dude busy but again what happens it's an interesting thought experiment maybe maybe there is something that i'm not seeing but again he even said it he won two mvps because of jordan love so you take those away wow yeah that'd be great i'd much rather have that reality stupid packers getting us a quarterback of the future who sat behind rogers for three years handpicked by matt lafleur 
actually looking really promising. Stupid idiot getting two MVP season morons. Trade them to the Jets for picks like jerks. Stupid idiot morons. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, if you want to hold them to an unreasonable standard, completely unfair standard that nobody else gets held to, because Aaron Rodgers was unjustly pushed out of the organization just, for, just to make way for this great Jordan Love, if, if that's the fake reality that you want to create and narrate, I guess go ahead. But that's not what happened. If it makes you feel better and it makes you feel more empowered that your prediction won't be wrong because you set an unreasonably high standard, then go ahead and do that. It doesn't make you more right, but whatever. You can go ahead and make up stuff. Anyways, I want to play this also because um, it's going to sound like just piling on Rodgers, although this does align largely with what I think. But there is actually an interesting nugget in here. And again, we can all say he's just a big fat liar if we want, but I just tend to assume that that's not the case generally. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think uh, these guys generally lie about this stuff. But here is Colin Coward saying that all of us kind of have our own biases. We tend to see things a certain way specifically, you know, with the Rodgers and, and Packers situation. Obviously, Rodgers sees this as the Packers doing more wrong than than not, and the Packers see it the opposite because they have their own personal ideas and agendas. But then goes on to say this. There's also the I didn't do that list for the Packers. Um, Yeah, they signed Alan Lazard. There's a reason. You wanted Alan Lazard to the Jets. There's also the all I want is transparency quote a couple of weeks ago, despite the fact I have had a Green Bay Packer, a current player, in the last two weeks, say, Aaron is never transparent. Weekly, monthly, in season, out of season. He's never transparent. He leaves everybody guessing. So look, man, and, and he goes on to talk about that Zach Gelb thing where, uh, you know, he had meetings that were supposed to give Aaron Rodgers more control, and sometimes he'd show up, sometimes he wouldn't, and would just ghost him, which essentially means he didn't give him a heads up he wasn't coming, he just wouldn't come. The bottom line is, man, this stuff adds up for me. You know, when, when uh, the first report came out about Rodgers, I did not like the report. I railed against it, although I acknowledge that some of it might be true. I don't really know. I didn't like some of the things that were in it. And, uh, you know, the, the sources, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. But it's been adding up over and over and over and over. And yes, there are people that like him. Of course, he has friends. I'm not saying everybody can't stand the guy. But his friends also aren't coming out saying that's not true. Has anybody come out and said that what he's, the, the comments he made about Mike McCarthy are not true? Maybe. I don't know. Has anybody else come out and said the, the text message he sent to the team about Brian Gutekunst making fun of him, that that's not true? Has anybody come out, has John Kuhn come out and said, I know for a fact that he never ghosted anybody in any meetings? His friends come out and defend him and say that these, these, these people are, are reporting things. They don't know anything about him. He's a great guy. You don't know anything about his leaders. Da, 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 da. Stuff that you would say about your friend, too. That doesn't mean these things didn't happen. And again, you can say Colin Coward is just completely making this up. He never once talked to a Green Bay Packer in the locker room, which even though we know he talks to football players all the time, all the time, it wouldn't be that big of a deal for him to say off the record, in other words, I won't use your name, is Rogers a transparent person? And whoever this person is he talked to in the locker room said no. Again, he has friends in the locker room. But how do we know about the dynamics in that locker room? I just, I just have a hunch. I'm just going to say I have a hunch. Rodgers is not a benefit to the locker room. I think he detracts from it. And I know Aaron Jones likes him because he likes everybody, and he would never say anything bad about anybody. He's a good dude. But I think, Aaron, I think Jordan Love brings a different energy, and I think it's going to be a more beneficial energy. 
I think the diva attitude with Aaron Rodgers, and I do think it was a diva attitude, that he's better than everybody, that everybody else, you know, when things are wrong. And and look, how frustrating was it? Remember last year how ticked off I got at Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur for refusing to say a single bad word about Rodgers when it was very obvious that he was at least part of the problem? They talked about the offensive line. They talked about the wide receivers. They talked about the defense. They talked about the coaches. They talked about everything, but they refused to mention Aaron Rodgers' name. And you can say, well, that was for the trade value and all that. That's BS. And I promise you those players are pissed off. you imagine being a wide receiver running wide open, your quarterback refuses to throw to you, and then you get thrown under the bus for not knowing how to do your job? Aaron Rodgers getting sacked because he held onto the ball too long and you're getting thrown under the bus as an offensive lineman? Aaron Rodgers ranting and raving about how, you know, things are, you know, you don't understand how things work around here. And, you know, I don't really want to talk about the problems, you know, because I don't want to start any, you know, hinting that it's something else. It's the scheme. It's the young players. It's, you know, these guys just don't know what they're doing yet. Jordan Love's not doing that. He wants to work collaboratively with people rather than just say, get on my level, Rook. He says, let's work together. Let's, let's, and that's what we need. We need a team that wants to work together, work hard together. Rodgers has been a phenomenal quarterback for a very long time, but dude went super diva. He's And, and the thing, when we drafted him, that was like his biggest red flag. He's an arrogant, you know what, fill in the blank. He is. He, he's a cocky, arrogant kid. And then he went on to be the best quarterback in football. And surprise, surprise, he didn't become less cocky and arrogant. And he got mega rich and started dating mega stars. And now what is he doing? He's, he's out doing ayahuasca with Jake Paul, and we're going to pretend like he's a grounded guy. Like, no, man, he's not like that. He's not diva. He's not anything like that. He's not Hollywood. Really? Really? Every time you see him, what is he doing? He's out chumming it up with Tom Brady, doing these charity golf events where he's golfing with, like, pro golfers or with other celebrities. And again, that's great, dude. You you made it to that level. You are an A-lister. You go straight to the top. You get invited to all the parties. You are the bell of the ball, man. You can date anybody you want, anytime you want. You can do whatever you want. You can buy whatever you want. You can fly wherever you want. You can be friends with whoever you want. You can be wined and dined by celebrities, politicians, and dignitaries. That's awesome. Congratulations. But I don't think that's playing very well in a locker room full of guys who are not making tens of millions of dollars. And when the only guys that are on your side are the guys, the other guys that have made tens of millions of dollars, I don't think that's a great environment. And to have a young guy who has been crapped on for a long time, who has been seen as the problem with the Green Bay Packers, who has done nothing but keep his head down and work, who comes from an extremely difficult past, who has been great with everybody, who works collaboratively with everybody, who actually wants to learn as opposed to assuming he knows everything and telling everybody what to do, instead collaborating and saying, hey, why don't we work together? Why don't you come out with me and we'll get this work? And it's more focused on how can we get better? How can we work together as a team? How can we do this so that we come out on top? Those are the kinds of things that inspire people. That is, believe it or not, what actual leadership looks like. There's a big difference between, has he done a lot of great things for us? Has he been one of the greatest of all time? Has he given me some fantastic memories? And is he what's best for the team today? Contract aside, is he what's best for this locker room? Is he the best thing that can happen? The answer is no. Great football player? Yes. Is he helping the locker room? I don't think so. And I don't think Colin Coward is lying. I think he talked to a current Packer player who was more than happy to tell him off the record. In other words, he would never go on a... And and, and this exact same person, I promise you, if he went publicly on Colin Coward's show and was asked, would say, Aaron Rodgers is a great leader. He's been a great player for us. I've learned a ton from him. You're never going to go on and trash the guy. 
unless you're a former player or something, you're not going to do that as a current Packer player. No chance. Even former Packer players, most of them are not going to do that because you don't want the drama. And you probably like having him on your side as opposed to him not being on your side. The guy carries a lot of weight. You don't want to be on the outs. Just play nice and pretend you like the guy. That's what I would do. I mean, as long as he's cool with me, I mean, you know, you don't have to lie. You just don't say the negative stuff. Just, you know, he's, he's a great football player. It was an honor to be able to play with him. That's all true. But, I mean, just just look at it. Honestly, look at it. Do we really think that he goes and does all these things and comes back and is Mr. Humble? And is like getting down there with the guys and meeting with them and doing all this stuff? No, because we know he's not, because he said he's not, because it's a freaking joke that he would ever lower himself to hanging out with these non-celebrities, these non-millionaires. What, do you got a million dollars in your bank account? Freaking idiot. You dork loser. Talk to me when you get, you know... When you get to a hundo, you can come to my house. You crack a hundred million, you call me. Until then, you're not invited to the barbecue. And again, this might be a great thing for the Jets. Because the Jets don't have that. They don't have that guy that's been there that's done that. I'm not saying the Hollywood thing is necessarily going to play up great there. But when you only have a bunch of young guys that don't really know what they're doing, to have a guy come in and be like, look, this is the standard, this is the level, get on my level, maybe it's a good thing. Like the, like the AI said, this could be something that could could go on for generations. One year with him, and Garrett Wilson's going to know what a Hall of Fame quarterback looks like, plays like, talks like, acts like. So good. Go get that guy. But at this point, for us, I don't think it's the right thing. We need a new energy. We need, we need hunger, passion, guys that are obsessed with football. This is what they do. This is, this is my life right now. This is Jordan Love's life. This is what he does. Off-season, on, there's no off-season. It doesn't exist. He's not on vacation. He's working. Same with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Samori Turi. What, what else is there? If you don't get this, you're bagging groceries. That rookie contract is not going to last. These are hungry people that want it. The Rashans and the Jairs and the guys that just, that, and we just need more of that attitude. You know, I saw somebody recently, and I've, I've seen this before. I don't remember where. I think I saw in the article, it was Gary Vaynerchuk talked to a guy or whatever, but talked about how there was this team that drafted a guy, and he said something to the effect of, you know, this guy could go out, and he'd go out at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he would drink, and then he'd show up to the game, and you know what he would do? He'd get, you know, eight tackles and two sacks in that game. Like, he was a dominant football player. Didn't matter. So from that perspective, it was a great pick, and his character concerns didn't matter. All the red flags didn't matter. However, you know what the problem was? He dragged six other players with him, and they showed up and played like crap the next day. Even if that negative character isn't necessarily a problem for you and how you play, like I said, with Rodgers not showing up to things, how does that impact the other guys? We need guys that come in there and say this. It's not just the standard of be good. That's I think that's the problem. The standard before was it's how good you are. And if you're not good, then you're not at the standard. The standard should be how you work, what your motives are. The standard is we don't go to practice and then go home, play video games and eat pizza. That's not what we do. We do what the Packers tell us, and then we go put in the real work. Because we are obsessed. While they sleep, we work. That's the energy I want in Green Bay. It's a, stand- it's a different standard. Rodgers has a standard, and it's, it's get on my level. And that's not a bad thing. Trying to tell people, like, look, look how good I am. That's how good you should be. Dang, that's, that's crazy. I was, I was shooting for, like, over here, but you're, dang, that's, that's nuts. Yeah, I got a lot of work to do. For sure. That's one way to set the standard. But I want there to be a culture. 
that says we work hard. And to have a guy come in and go, look, I don't have to work hard because I already did it. You guys should probably be putting in the work. And then maybe when you get it's like it's like when you're a kid and your parents tell you like what you can't swear until you get older, like you can't drink until you get old. In other words, it's not a bad thing. It's just a rite of passage and you haven't earned it yet. It's bad for you. It's not bad for me. I can do it. You can't do it. Such a weird thing. I remember as a kid, like asking, like, when can I start swearing? (laughs) Then there was just a day when they just stopped caring. Remember, I went and lived with uh, my grandparents for a year. When I came back, my brother gave me the update. He's like, yeah, you can pretty much swear around mom now, but uh, probably shouldn't do it around dad. Okay, fair enough. So anyways, that's kind of where I'm at, I guess. Again, I I don't even mean that to be negative. It's, it's, I get where Rogers is at. I just think he's in a different place than what we need right now. All right, it's like I've talked about with coaches. It's not about the good coach, you know, the, the, the players coaches and the hard-nosed coaches or however you want to do that, old school, new school. There really isn't a right or wrong. It's just what your team needs. You get the nice coaches and then everybody gets so lax. Then you got to bring in like the skull cracker. And then people get all excited like, yeah, we're going to be disciplined. And the team starts to look good. And then the team gets burned out because you're such a jerk all the time. And it's super strict. And then you get the players coach in there and they're like, yeah, we love playing for him. And it's like, see, you get a guy that loves playing for you. It's a cyclical thing. And I think this Rodgers thing has kind of run his course. So I hope we get the deal done soon. I wish him the best in New York. I hope it helps them learn how to look like Aaron Rodgers. And I also hope that Jordan Love can infuse some new uh, energy with this young team, because it is a younger team in which they uh, kind of have this grind culture, which seems like is is starting with the quarterback and the wide receivers and Aaron Jones. And I hope that that culture uh, just permeates throughout and defenders start doing it and it becomes very competitive. And I look forward to that. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic rest of your day. I will talk to you later tonight, for Packernet After Dark, as well as tomorrow and every day forever. Have a good one. Bye.